It's our anime show and we're coming to you. Welcome to our anime show. It's me, a green queen. And I'm a binge monster. Just to kind of tee it up to our pal Geo here to kind of give us the back review, we are going to talk about what is anime when someone walks up to you or you're in a conversation with somebody at a party you know, you're all gabbing about things you like, and you're like, oh, well, I watch anime. And then someone's like, oh, well, like, what? I don't get it. What is anime? Like, what is that? We're talking to that question. Which is going to be very exciting. I mean, <laughs> I, I I was telling Ali the other day that, and this is just a super quick story, that I'm, I've never felt like I've answered this question really well. Um, and I feel like I get this question a lot, especially from older people and you know, just people in general who just don't get it, who don't watch. And and hopefully this is just a good comprehensive answer to that question. And hopefully if you find it valuable, you can share it with people who ask you that question. You go, you know what? Here, this is- Just the- listen to this podcast. This will, this yeah, will answer, exactly. what is anime? I don't understand. Right. I think one of the things that makes this question so challenging is like when people ask that question, right? They're, they're not- they're not looking for a literal answer. I think people just like just genuinely don't understand the phenomenon. They mm-hmm. they keep hearing about it. They associate it to just being a cartoon, but it's so big, it's so popular that it's I think it's hard for people to just kind of wrap their head around its animation. And and I think to some degree um it is, but I think to uh, you know, if you think about it larger, it really is a phenomenon. It's an it's an industry. It is animation. It does come from Japan. It does mean something different depending on the country that you're in and which we'll talk about. But I mean, just from just like from a bird's eye view, it's uh, according to the Japan Times and the Nikkei Review, which, by the way, the Nikkei is like the Japanese uh, equivalent of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, they talk about the anime industry in general becoming a hundred billion dollar market by 2030 and within that hundred billion about 48 billion of that would probably come from the u.s so obviously it's a huge industry here in the u.s huge market. 31 billion of that coming from china uh and so forth and a lot of that also being domestic as well but mm-hmm. clearly it has become an international phenomenon it's an industry there are companies that exist to sell merchandise and concert tickets and filling up stadiums and it's flooding the theaters and we'll talk a lot about that but you know one one thing that people don't understand is just how big this industry really is this phenomenon i mean the largest media franchise ever beating out disney and the the disney princesses and star wars and even marvel even harry potter is pokemon which Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. the years has netted over a hundred billion dollars in revenue worldwide on its own forget the rest of the industry so it's huge. It's a massive market and it is evolving and it is growing. You know, it's not just, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Like an art form or not just a style. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a medium of art. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said, it, it has a different meaning everywhere, right? For sure. That's kind of how they talk about it in Japan. Like anime is just short for animation. And what's interesting when we were looking at this is in Japan, they'll often like just shorten words like that in kind of like a slang way. They'll make like a terebijon into like terebi. So that would be like television. And what's funny is the examples, a lot of the examples we were looking at, they're all in um, katakana, which katakana is 
as it was described to me when I was taking Japanese lessons, is basically the characters they'll use for when they're describing English words or like words that are not mm -hmm. natively Japanese words. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, the consonants of like V and L, they're not really, really found in Japan. So, you know, when we say anime, but in here we say like anime, you know, it's just interesting because it's in katakana in our research. And, you know, when I see anime spelt out, I see it spelt out in katakana. So it's, it comes and stems from like that English word, but I just find that very, very interesting. And there's literally so much to it because even when people will ask me, oh, well, what is anime? They'll be like, oh, I uh, sometimes often something I'll say is like, oh, it's like a, like a cartoon or an animated show, but it's from Japan. And it's just, it's just and not at all the right way to describe it. Kind of like you were saying, Gio, you know, it's just so, so much bigger. And, you know, it's like usually they're even adapted from like light novels or manga. So it's like there's a whole following from the manga and then they come to watch the anime. And then, you know, the opening becomes like a TikTok famous. And then it's suddenly this and then suddenly the band is performing worldwide. Like there's so many layers to each and every anime there is really. Absolutely. And there's also the, the the notion that because some of these words, and to your point, like because it's really just a shortening of the word animation um, and not by definition their own animation, just their own animation, they'll even look at stuff like The Simpsons or or like things that we, that we have as cartoons here or animation or even stuff that Pixar puts out and they'll call that American anime. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so so again, like depending on where you are, the definition of anime truly is different, because if you're in Japan, everything animated is anime. <laughs> yeah. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. And I also agree with you. I think there's not much like it. I mean, ultimately, if you think about all the different major franchises that people really grow to love, particularly in the fantasy genre, I think you see it the most with like Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, where there was kind of a novel that was inspired it's totally. it's it's not like everything like that and um you know that there's not that relationship like there really is in, in the in the anime world where you know almost everything really is based off of that so mm -hmm. anyways um in terms of just the kind of history of anime what's really interesting is like some of the early 1900s anime was obviously super rudimentary um i think Anime back then was like extremely expensive and difficult to make. Um, it really wasn't until Disney started to innovate that animation and high quality animation started to become kind of a thing. But the reality is, is that, you know, and Disney actually paved the way in many ways for a lot of inspiration from what was going on in Japan in the early days of anime. But it was such an expensive endeavor that ultimately it wasn't until World War II when the government started to support using animation for propaganda, very similarly to how like Donald Duck, for example, in World War II was um, largely used for propaganda totally, and so forth, right? There's a lot of Disney characters that were kind of used in that way. Japan kind of wanted to compete with that and they started infusing cash into the industry and studios actually were born from that uh that effort one of which we know today is toei studios which is a massive name that Big makes name. tons and tons of anime including like 
Naruto and Dragon Ball Z and just all these like very, very big names. But back then, um, Toei was still a super small studio. Now, a couple of people that came from that small studio, one of which is Osamu Tezuka, which is, you know, he's known as kind of the godfather of anime. He created Astro Boy, which mm-hmm. actually became a huge hit here in the in 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 the united states um i think i even watched it in black and white when i was a kid um on either boomerang or or toonami or cartoon network like it was a late night kind of thing but even i saw along with speed racer which both of them were heavily i mean those are that's anime actually that was created in japan that that was not even an american cartoon Uh so Osamu Tezuka and then the other uh, great Hayao Miyazaki, both of these animators, which are like super influential in the industry today, both came from Toei, uh, as a matter of fact. And, oh, I didn't uh, know Miyazaki came from Toei originally. He did. Ah. He did. In fact, um, you know, Hayao Miyazaki played a big role, I think, particularly in the commercial world of putting anime on the map, you know, besides things like Dragon Ball and so forth, which we'll talk about in a minute, but... Spirit Away was like the first anime to win an Oscar in 2002. And so Spirit you know, Away is Spirit such a, Ghibli. is part of, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like Spirit Away, I feel like everybody knows, even if you watch anime, for some reason you're like Spirit Away, when I was a kid, I watched that. Right. Yeah. And one, you know, one of the things that's really interesting, especially when you compare cartoon, American anime or cartoons to Japanese anime, mm-hmm. one of the things that a lot of people say is, you know, the big eyes, like the characters, isn't anime like Japanese cartoons with the characters with the big eyes? And this is like such an interesting thing when I hear that for two reasons. One, it is true that one of the ways that Japanese animators wanted to compete with the extreme fluidity that Disney was able to produce with, with stuff at the time, like when uh, Snow White came out, it was like one of the biggest technological marvels of the era when it came to animation. Yeah. Creating something like that with the frames per second necessary was kind of really difficult, if not impossible at the time for Japanese animators because it was so expensive. So they were looking for ways to compete. And one of the ways that they did that was using eyes, which are considered the gateway to the soul, to represent emotion and complexity. And, and it was cheaper to spend more money focused around the eyes and how eyes can be used to convey emotion than maybe to draw that throughout the entirety of the character. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately that became kind of a, a staple point of what anime became known in this, particularly in the early years when it wasn't a profitable endeavor. It wasn't a, prof- a profitable industry. So that there is some definite truth to that. Like wasn't anime with the character with the big eyes. The irony though, is when you look at American cartoons for example, The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. Their eyes are huge. Like, they have big they eyes. Have literal circle eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're pretty disproportionate to their face. There's, there's actually quite a lot of examples of that. And yet, they don't convey the level of emotion that you see kind of in, in anime. So For sure. That's just some high-level stuff that's pretty interesting. Now, obviously, in the early 90s, and the 2000s and we've talked about this on the podcast of like the 80s of the golden era of anime and like mm-hmm. how it really put it on the map and things like akira the film akira really uh paved the way for like things like dragon ball to even be able to come to the united states because the company was profitable enough off of akira to afford a license for something like dragon ball z mm. which absolutely exploded in in the u.s market but it wasn't really until toonami came in the late 90s early 2000s on cartoon network that anime was distributed 
across the U.S. in a way that could be consumed by mass audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously changed stuff. So when you hear on our podcast, you'll hear often people talk about, well, when I first started watching anime, it was on Toonami. And then in the 2010s and so forth, streaming became more popular and brought it even to, to, to even more population. So, right, you had Netflix and Amazon making big investments in this. You have platforms like Crunchyroll and Crunchyroll being a streaming platform exclusively for anime and not other content. So this is kind of how anime uh, started in the early days and kind of led to the to the mass population, mass uh, popularity that it is today. It's just that as anime became more profitable and as technology evolved and making more anime at scale became more possible as it got more popular and consumerism took over and people started selling toys and this industry has exploded really off the back of some especially in the u.s really off the back of shows early like dragon ball z that even influenced shows like naruto and bleach and one piece to be created i mean and when you think about like when you think about uh like high high profile celebrities in the u.s and like high profile Mm -hmm. actors and stuff all almost all of them will say that their favorites are naruto and dragon ball almost all of them which is crazy michael b jordan had that coach line with all naruto stuff and zion williamson in the nba one of the new rising stars like has a shoe that's inspired by naruto so and it's even definitely right and it's even like from from their influence, you know, then people start to go, oh, well, that's my idol's favorite show. Like, what is that if they hadn't known of it before? And then they start to right. watch it. And then, it, you know, especially I think, you know, during the pandemic, it gave people so much time and so much space to even return to shows that they watch as kids on Toonami, right? They see like a visual on TikTok and they go, oh, my God, yeah, what was that show? And then they suddenly rewatch Inuyasha and it's their whole personality again. Like, it, like. It, right. it has even the the that effect of like it has such a resurgence and then it just grows and grows and grows because there's truly like something for everybody in it. Absolutely, and and to that end, I think you know other things. There are other themes. There are other which I know we're going to talk about in a minute, but yeah. there are other staples that make Japanese anime um, or animation as we're talking right. Um, right unique in the sense that like some of the camera angles that they use and some of the zoom ins and outs that are are really typical in an anime styled you know animated scene which is you know maybe not something that you might find in a pixar film or or what have you even the kind of like uncensored storylines and and thematic uh uh uh, you know points of uh of uh, topic that -hmm. are covered um, you're not going to find that in a lot of Western media. They're super unapologetic. Yeah, especially you're not going to really, like we were talking about this earlier, and I think you were right in saying like you're not even really going to find it sort of like organized in the same way. And so like I think there's often a misconception that I even learned just in my experience of like watching and learning about anime of like, you know, people will be like, oh, well, that's a shonen, Like that's a genre. And that's actually not a genre. That's fully a demographic. And so even when we're talking about like demographics and genres and themes, like some of the genres are a little bit closer to, you know, what we see in sort of like Western uh, television, movies, et cetera, where you have like your adventure, you have your fantasy, your drama, your comedy. So those things are also found in there. Um, But a lot of times the way that they, you know, will break things up 
in buckets will kind of be through the demographic and then they can bucket it even further pardon me with different themes because like some themes are like oh well it's um a detective or it's educational or it's historical and like that's also like a subtopic in there and and the reason they have to have so many buckets is because there's so much anime at least this is the way I understand it, right? Like there's just so much. There's an anime for literally everybody. And, you know, it has a different demographic, a different theme, etc. And um, I think trying to understand like the mass of that also aids to understanding what anime is. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. I think the the important takeaway to your point really is their demographics there are genres, there are themes. And especially when people ask the question of like, isn't anime for children? Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it the question, and I don't blame people for asking, but it lacks the, 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 the complex understanding of how anime is organized, right? Because to your point, there are a couple different demographics. There's stuff for younger or young adults and boys. There's also stuff explicitly for children. One of the demographics is called Kodomomuke, and those are for things like Pokemon and Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. That's very different than like a senin adult uh, uh, focused demographic with so- shows like Steins Gate, Fist of the North Star, and Vinland Saga, which yeah. are violent, yeah. super complex, super philosophical, can involve stuff like rape and just like really heavy themes that are absolutely mm. not for children. And then you further to your point, filter them by these genres that don't exist in television. Like yeah. you said, slice of life. There's no such thing. Um, and so forth. Um, uh, and then there are all these themes. And I actually think the themes are really cool, Ali. Like the mm-hmm. the uh, like Mecca, for example, a oh, theme yes. around like a theme around giant robots. That doesn't exist in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Idols. That's a big thing. Like this I, concept of like animated idols and groups singing together. Mm-hmm. There's a whole theme for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, magical arts and racing and pets. Literally a show dedicated for adult women. Maybe that's the demographic about dogs. It exists. It exists. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's really organized into that kind of three-tiered thing i think that's really interesting i think some of the other themes about how you compare western and eastern stories are also important things to mention right Mm -hmm. because we've talked about that like the eastern versus western philosophy of Mm -hmm. like in the eastern world there is more of a sense of like community and togetherness and decision making and in the western world it's more like autonomy we're kicking you out when you're 18 go make it for yourself yeah Right. Do it and all like, on your own and, yeah, exactly. And sometimes you'll watch a show where you discover by the end of the show that the ultimate power you could have is the power of friendship. And, oh, and yeah. there's literally like sharing the energy of all the people together. And because of that, you're stronger together. And you'll sometimes literally see that in the middle of a battle where like at every level, Americans who watch anime are exposed to truly either directly in something obvious like this power that I was just referring to or indirectly like very subtle themes, you just see a completely different philosophy of the kind of East versus West mentality of people. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And even like we've talked about it before too, of like taking we we had a whole episode where we took you know the top ten IMDb shows that you know weren't necessarily anime, but tried to find an anime that was like them. And so it's like there, it's so easy to do that. And then within that, you will definitely, to your point, GOC like historical Japanese culture and philosophies just kind of, or Eastern philosophies kind of riddled within there. So even if you're watching something, you know, that you think you'll like because you liked something else, you might find something that's even more enriching because it's so different. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And, and hopefully, if it isn't obvious, our hopeful takeaway for you that is that anime is a phenomenon it's an industry it's a word that shortens the word animation into the world word anime it means something different where you are in the world it's rich in complexity it's catered to demographics it's got different genres 50 plus different themes and subject matters that it could possibly cover it's growing it's not gonna stop and and really it's for me, it's the pathway to a different way of looking at the world told by stories that are traditionally coming from Japan, but truly, I think, are just enriching and understanding the world through a different lens that isn't exclusively Western and mm-hmm. is also just beautifully done and cared for so deeply by the artists who contribute to to the to the medium, to the form, to the phenomenon. And it's just one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> So uh, wonderful so, that he convinced his best friend to love it too. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, I've been a binge monster. And I'm a green queen. <laughs>